Hey, welcome to episode number 85 of More Than Bread. If if you're just joining us for the very first time, well, if you're just joining us for the very first time, hit stop and go back to at least episode 67. That's that's where we started the Gospel of Mark. And before that, it was John's Gospel. And before that, it was about 40 episodes, give or take, through the whole New Testament. So I'm Dan Nold. I'm your host, Bible reader, and sometimes scripture explainer. And More Than Bread is a podcast devoted to Scripture. So each episode, I read a portion of Scripture. Rather than reading it, you can just listen if that's what you'd like to do, or you can follow along in the book as well. Today, we're looking at Mark chapter 6, verses 14 through 29. And 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 after I read, I just I want to help you listen, learn, and lean in. The lean in part is the so what. So what do I do with what I've heard? James, a brother of Jesus, once said, it's not enough to hear the word of God. We've got to do it. We have to apply it. So the passage of scripture I'm reading today, I don't know, it's a little bit of a rough story. I mean, it's not so bad if you're not there, but but I, I just want you to put yourself there as I read. You can put yourself in the place of John the Baptist or one of his followers or maybe put yourself in the sandals of Jesus or or even Herod, the king. However you do it, just take a an imagination moment as I read and insert yourself in the story. I'm reading Mark chapter 6, verses 14 through 29 in the New Living Translation. Here's what it says. Herod Antipas, the king, soon heard about Jesus because everyone was talking about him. Some were saying this must be John the Baptist raised from the dead. That's why he can do such miracles. Others said he's the prophet Elijah. Still others said he's a prophet like the other great prophets of the past. When Herod heard about Jesus, he said, John, the man I beheaded, has come back from the dead. Now, my words, this is John the Baptist. That's who Herod is talking about. And remember, that's where Mark starts his gospel with John the Baptist, the one who prepared the way for Jesus. So Herod, at this point in the story, has had John the Baptist beheaded. And now Herod is thinking that Jesus is John come back from the dead. Verse 17, for Herod had sent soldiers to arrest and imprisoned John as a favor to Herodias. She had been his brother Philip's wife. Herod's brother is Philip. Herodias is Philip's wife. She had been his brother Philip's wife, but Herod had married her. John had been telling Herod, it's against God's law for you to marry your brother's wife. So Herodias bore a grudge against John and wanted to kill him. But without Herod's approval, she was powerless. For Herod respected John. And knowing that he was a good and holy man, he protected him. Herod was greatly disturbed whenever he talked with John, but even so, he liked to listen to him. Verse 21, Herodias says, uh, before I go further, let me just... Let me just hit here how important this is. We we talk about listening, learning, and leaning. So Herod liked to listen to John. He probably even learned something from John, but he never leaned in. He never surrendered. He never followed the way that John laid out as the one who prepared the way for Jesus. Verse 21, Herodias' chance finally came on Herod's birthday. He gave a party for his high government officials, army officers, and the leading citizens of Galilee. And then his daughter, also named Herodias, came in and performed a dance that greatly pleased Herod and his guests. Ask me me for anything you like, the king said to the girl, and I'll give it to you. He even vowed, I will give you whatever you ask up to half of my kingdom. So she went out and asked her mother, what should I ask for? Her mother told her, ask for the head of John the Baptist. Man, this, this story is docudrama 
soap opera, docudrama as it gets. Ask for the head of John the Baptist. Verse 25, so the girl headed back to the king and told him, I want the head of John the Baptist right now on a tray. And the king deeply regretted what he had said, but because of the vows he had made in front of his guests, he could not refuse her. So he immediately sent an executioner to the prison to cut off John's head and bring it to him. The soldier beheaded John in the prison, brought his head on a tray, gave it to the girl who took it to her mother. When John's disciples heard what had happened, they came to get his body, his headless body, (laughs) and buried it in a tomb. You know, every other gospel has a version of the Christmas story. Now, I know John's version of the Christmas story is a bit philosophical, but we still have heaven coming to earth and the themes of light and glory. But Mark starts with John the Baptist. He starts with the messenger, the forerunner, the one who prepared the way for Jesus. And and I think the story, maybe the stories of John the Baptist really made an impact on Mark. At this point in the gospel, as we began reading, John the Baptist is already dead. And, and then Mark gives us some of the backstory. John is beheaded by Herod as a gift to Herodias. Herodias is Herod's brother's wife. Herod and Herodias were having an affair. Herod and his brother's wife. And, and John the Baptist called them out, called it sin. And, and Herodias was upset. Now, Herod, Herod actually kind of liked John. But Herodias found a way to get John's head all through the dancing of her daughter. My goodness, never go to a dance recital. And now as Herod keeps hearing about all the wondrous stuff Jesus is doing, he's wondering if Jesus is John the Baptist come back to life. So I just want to back up, maybe almost kind of go sideways, I guess for a few moments, and just talk about John and his relationship with Jesus. And to do that, I need to step over to Matthew's Gospel It's chapter 11, verses 1 through 3, and Matthew writes this. He says, When Jesus had finished giving these instructions to his 12 disciples, he went off teaching and preaching in towns throughout the country. Now, Matthew 11 is is kind of parallel to this passage in in Mark 6 that we're, we're talking about. So Jesus went off teaching and preaching in towns throughout the country. And John the Baptist, who was now in prison, so this is before he died, but in prison, he heard about all the things the Messiah was doing, and so he sent his followers, his disciples, to ask Jesus, here's a question, are you really the Messiah? Are you really the Messiah, the Christ, the King that we've been waiting for, the Savior, or should we keep looking for somebody else? Are you the one, or should we keep looking for someone else? That's a legitimate question, one that any one of us could and probably should bring to the Gospels, because every one of us has to answer it. So let me tell you how I answer it. I mean, think about this. He was born in a small rural village 2,000 plus years ago, and yet I believe he always was, always is, and always will be. He rarely physically traveled far from home. He was not a world traveler, and yet I believe he created the whole world. He lived a few years past the age of 30, but I believe his life divided history into two times, the time before Jesus and the time after. He was born to a blue-collar couple, father a carpenter, mother a teenager. He could identify with today's working poor. In his lifetime, did more than a dozen call him friend? Did more than a few hundred ever call him leader? Did more than a few thousand ever hear him speak? He had no business. He didn't lead an army. He was never elected to office. He didn't write any books. So many people simply missed him. Of course, sometimes it was hard to miss that he was the one. 
Like that time when they were out on a boat and a storm arose, such a storm, the sailors were fearful waves higher than a house tossed them back and forth. They thought they were going to die until, <laughs> until Jesus woke up from his nap and spoke to the storm. They knew that day. Or when he called Lazarus to come out of the tomb or took a sack lunch and fed enough people to fill an arena. Or how about the day when he hung on a cross and he called upon God to forgive the ones who put them there. And then when he died, the world got dark and the earth shook. And a Roman soldier that day said, I I don't know, I think he was the one. Or how about a few days later when he rose from the dead and showed up at dinner and everyone but, but Thomas said, you're the one. So how do you answer that question? You understand, if he really is the one, if he really is who he claimed to be, then he is the single most significant person who ever lived. Jesus, are you the one? Each and every one of us must answer that question personally. Jesus, are you the one? And if we say yes, well, we really haven't said yes if it doesn't radically, completely, and totally change our lives. John was Jesus' cousin. He's called by some the baptizer, but he knew that his purpose in life was to prepare the way for Jesus. We already read that back in Mark chapter 1. John knew, I'm telling you, John knew that Jesus was the one. One day while he was still in his mother's womb, his mother came close to Mary, pregnant with Jesus in her womb. And when he got close, John jumped. Before he was even born, he knew that Jesus was the one. And he probably didn't remember that, but I'm guessing, I'm, I'm almost certain that his mom told him that story more than once. But there was still a day when John asked the question, Jesus, are you the one or should we keep looking? Are you really the Messiah? That word means king. John was asking, are you the king? Are you the savior? Are you you the king of the kingdom? We've been waiting so long. In Mark chapter 1, remember, we found that John the Baptist defined his life as preparing the way for the kingdom of God. He was out in the wilderness preaching, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. John wanted to know, has the kingdom really come? John is doubting a little bit. He, he's questioning. He's what? Do, do we do we need to keep looking? Now, now, why should we care about this question today? Does it really matter? Well, it mattered to Jesus. Everywhere Jesus went, he talked about the kingdom of God. The good news is not simply that we can be forgiven and go to heaven when we die. The good news is that the kingdom of God has come here and now. The kingdom of God was Jesus' primary teaching topic. Everywhere he went, he announced the kingdom of God has come. There's there's a new government, not a political power, but a spiritual power. Now, now don't be discouraged if you don't completely understand what the kingdom of God is all about. The disciples didn't get it either. After three years in the kingdom university being taught by the king himself, when Jesus returned from the grave, they still didn't get it. They, They wanted to know if he was going to restore Israel to political power, not the risk of offending some of us. I just say it seems like the people of God have always been a little bit too concerned about political power. <laughs> what did Jesus say? In Acts 1 7 3. He said, Wrong question. What they didn't understand was that the kingdom is a person, not a place. The kingdom is a reign, not a realm. It's not a what or a where. It's not a nation. It's a who. When John said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near, he didn't mean that Jesus was going to overthrow Rome and live in the, the palace. When he, he didn't mean that the Jews were finally going to come back into political power so they could make their country better again. 
When, when John preached the kingdom of, has come, he, he meant the king is here. When, when I make Jesus my king, the kingdom is drawn near to my neighborhood. When a, a little orphan north of Yangon, Myanmar, makes Jesus king, the king draws near to Myanmar. If, if Jesus is your king, the kingdom of God is near your home and your family and your work, your neighborhood. And can I tell you, it is a good thing when the kingdom comes. When the kingdom comes, marriages are strengthened and children are loved, the poor are cared for. When the kingdom comes, the sick are healed and demons flee. When the kingdom comes, young men and women follow his call and, and they find a great purpose for living. When the kingdom comes, love wins out. So here's John. He's in prison and he's asking Jesus, are you the one? Has the kingdom come? When John baptized Jesus, he heard God speak from heaven saying, this is my son. I love him. And now John is asking Jesus, are you the one? And why is he asking? Well, he's asking because he's in prison. Herod the king was having an affair with his brother's wife, Herodias. John the Baptist, who lived in the wilderness and called religious hypocrites snakes, tells it like it is. He calls Herod and Herodias adulterers, and now he's about to lose his head. God isn't coming through for John the way he expected, and so he's wondering if the kingdom of God has come. And as an aside, maybe this is exactly what you needed to hear. Don't miss this. Jesus is okay with our doubts. In a conversation with his followers, Jesus would call John a great man, one of the greatest, in fact, one of the greatest who had ever lived up to that point, and yet John had doubts. John was wondering, Jesus, are you the one? And, and what does Jesus say again in, in the Matthew version of this, in, in verses 4 through 6 of Matthew 11? Jesus said to them, go back to John and tell him about what you've heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And tell him, tell him, tell John, God blesses those who are not offended by me. Basically, Jesus is saying, make no mistake, when the kingdom comes, it comes with power, great power for life and living. The kingdom of God is a supernatural kingdom. Paul said that in this kingdom, we have access to resurrection power. The, the kingdom of God is supernatural. It's a kingdom that offers the restoration of families and freedom from addiction, the ability to not only forgive, but love our enemies. It's a kingdom of uncommon generosity and miraculous, awe-inspiring acts of wonder Jesus says, tell John, kingdom power is being let loose, but also tell him, God blesses those who are not being offended by me. Hey, John, all sorts of good things are happening. The deaf hear, the sick are cured, the good news is being preached, so don't be offended. Don't be offended by what? Too many blind people are seen again? Man, if one more leper gets cured, I'm out of here. I just can't stand it when Jesus does that. See, here's what Jesus is saying to John. That's right, John. The blind are seeing, the deaf are hearing, people are even being raised from the dead. The kingdom of God is expanding. Yes, I have done all this and more for others. But John, I'm not going to rescue you from your prison. I'm not going to save your neck from the sword. You are right where God wants you to be. This is his path for you, and blessed are you if this does not offend you, if this does not cause you to fall away. You're going to suffer, John. Your friends are going to feel the weight of trouble descend upon their hearts, but don't fall away. Persevere. Tell your friends, no matter what happens to me, don't give up. Listen, Jesus is calling us. We're called to a great commitment to a great cause. He has shaped your heart so that it would flow 
with the courage to give your life away to a great cause, to make a great commitment. Some of us are just trying to survive, but God has uniquely shaped your heart. I don't care how old you are, what you're doing, how much you've succeeded or failed. Listen to me. God has uniquely shaped your heart for a great commitment. What commitment is he calling you to make? (laughs) Again, in Matthew 11, this backstory, side story of John. When John's disciples had gone, when they left Jesus and went back to to John, John, Jesus began talking about John to the crowds. He said, who is this man in the wilderness that you went out to see? Did you find him weak as a reed, moved by every breath of wind? Or were you expecting to see a man dressed in expensive clothes? Those who dress like that live in palaces, not out in the wilderness. Jesus said, were you looking for a prophet? Yes, and he is more than a prophet. John is the man to whom the scriptures refer when they say, look, I'm sending my messenger before you and he'll prepare your way before you. I assure you of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. And yet, listen to me, and yet even the most significant person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. John was a great man. He gave his life for a great cause. And Jesus is saying to you right now, and if you're part of the kingdom of heaven, you have an even greater potential. You have an even greater potential. Let me say that again. Do you hear me? You have an even greater potential. Let me read the story again in Eugene Peterson's paraphrase, the message. Mark 6, verses 14 through 29. King Herod heard of all of this, for by this time the name of Jesus was on everyone's lips. He said, this has to be John the baptizer come back from the dead. That's why he's able to work miracles. Others said, no, it's Elijah. Others said, he's a prophet, just like one of the old time prophets. But Herod wouldn't budge. It's John. Sure enough, I cut off his head and now he's back alive. (laughs) Herod was the one who had ordered the arrest of John, put him in chains and sent him to prison at the nagging of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. For John had provoked Herod by naming his relationship with Herodias adultery. Herodias, smoldering with hate, wanted to kill him, but didn't dare because Herod was in awe of John. Convinced that he was a holy man, he gave him special treatment. Whenever he listened to him, he was miserable with guilt, and yet he couldn't stay away. Something in John kept pulling him back. But a portentous day arrived when Herod threw a birthday party, inviting all the brass and blue bloods in Galilee. Herodias' daughter entered the banquet hall and danced for the guests. She, She charmed Herod and the guests. And so the king said to the girl, ask me anything. I'll give you anything you want. Carried away, he kept on, I swear, I'll split my kingdom with you if you say so. She went back to her mother and said, what should I ask for? Ask for the head of John the baptizer. Excited, she ran back to the king and said, I want the head of John the baptizer served up on a platter, and I want it now. That sobered the king up fast, but unwilling to lose face with his guests, he caved in and let her have her wish. The king sent the executioner off to prison with orders to bring back John's head. He went, cut off John's head, brought it back on a platter, and presented it to the girl who gave it to her mother. When John's disciples heard about this, they came and got the body and gave it a decent burial. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for John, the baptizer. Thank you that he was somebody who who, who saw his cause, his commitment was to prepare the way for Jesus to come. 
God, I pray for each and every person listening to this, that you would help us to be people like John who prepare the way for you, Jesus, to come into our homes and our families, into our neighborhoods, our workplaces, our schools, everywhere we walk and work and live and play. I pray that you would give us a a sense of courage. And more than anything, Jesus, I pray that by your spirit, we would answer the question, Jesus, are you the one? And that in the answer of it, it would radically change our lives, that we would surrender everything that we have to you. Spirit of God, whatever you want us to listen to, give us ears to hear. Whatever you want us to learn, give us a mind that understands. And wherever you want us to lean in, I pray that we would walk in the way that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.